change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, the last one of 2022. How do you feel about that? It's going to be the last show we do until the new year. You okay? You, you can deal with it? You going to be okay with it? Yeah, it's it's always, uh, you know, kind of not sad, but... Uh, bittersweet? You know, oh, yeah, bittersweet. You know, it's always enjoyable talking week to week with you about CFL football. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bittersweet, but it is also nice to have a little time off as well, but... And before we know it, we'll be back talking about, you know, the 2023 season. So it's all good. Well, that's just it. Like, we're we're going to be done this. We're going to take some time off, mostly for Christmas. And then we're going to come back in the new year with something. There's going to have been a ton of news probably over the next month. There's, we're going to be six or so weeks out from free agency. It's, it, it, it used to feel as, as a youngster, like the CFL season would end and then it would kind of go away. And you wouldn't hear about anything until the new season started May, June. But now I think with sort of the 24-7 nature of sports and not to pat ourselves on the back, but with what we do, with, with what we do at three down, like you keep the CFL kind of in the news. There's always something to talk about. But it is nice to the grind of the of the weekly every week like game stuff is like, don't get me wrong, it's, it's like football's here and I'm excited, but it can get to you, especially if the season doesn't go the way you expect or you know, the season ends a little earlier than you had hoped. And there's just like, you're kind of grinding out at the end there. Like, I feel bad for anyone not to talk like Red Blacks all year. Cause like, that's just, or Elks, like, oh, that mm-hmm. would have been even worse than what we had to deal with. But it's always fun to do it, but it is nice to kind of get to wrap up sort of the, the season that was. And unfortunately doing that, we have to talk about what happened on Grey Cup Sunday. Cause it's the first time you and I have sat down to talk since the Grey Cup happened. And I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you, and no one wanted to listen. I said months ago that the Argos were going to make the Grey Cup, and then on this very show, and then on every radio interview I did, I think I did two or three over the week before Grey Cup, I tried to tell everyone, and I was laughed at. I said the Argos were going to win. Mike, the Argos did what the Ticats couldn't in two successive trips. They took down the mighty Winnipeg Blue Bombers, ending that three-in-a-row chance. They won by a score of 24-23. Enoch Mwamba was named the game's MVP and most valuable Canadian, just the second player, I believe, in history to do that, and the first defensive player to take home both awards, Canadian defensive player to take home both awards. So what were your kind of overall thoughts on on the game? Did did you enjoy it? What, was it, despite the, the matchup between two teams you didn't want to see win, did you still have a good time watching the Grey Cup? What did you think of the game as a whole? I thought it was a good game as a whole. Uh, the first half wasn't, um, you know, wasn't, Overly exciting. I think the the halftime score was pretty low. Yeah, I think it was ten seven. I think it was the same as it was 10, last year. I think both yeah. games ended at ten seven at the half. 
So the first half didn't light the world on fire, but I thought that uh, second half was pretty darn exciting. You know, you saw a bunch of stuff. You saw kick returns or a punt return. I can't remember which one it was, but an exciting return, uh, two blocked field goals in the last like three or four minutes, which some people say is just sloppy football and unentertaining. But uh, to me, I, I was fully entertained. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, Mark Hebger said that. I don't know if you remember him, but he's... Uh, oh, from... He's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's... He hates no, Black field goals aren't sloppy. Aren't sloppy. Like, that's good. That's good play by the he defensive special high, teams unit. He called it high school football. Um, okay. But I, I've never really liked him. He was always a CFL hater. Um, yeah. Which is, is his right. You know, you don't have to like what I like. But, um, you know, I think that people just make excuses when there's a good game uh, in the CFL. And, you know, they try to downplay it. But... Overall, I thought that the uh, Great Cup was pretty darn excited. And even though the Argonauts won, and of course they did, because they just, like yep. you've mentioned uh, in previous episodes and uh, on radio interviews and such, they, they just don't lose in the Great Cup. I think this is seven wins in a row or something yep. like that for the Argonauts. Seven in a row. Last time ever they since, lost. Ever since Pinball joined seven. the organization, they have not lost a Great Cup. So we got to get him out. Once we get Pinball out of the Argos organization... <laughs> Then they'll start losing Grey Cup. Pinball's They're a lucky charm. Underdogs too. They're always underdogs in these games, and they just find a way to pull it out. But I was very pleased with the with the Grey Cup, and then a week later, the Vanya Cup was also very entertaining. So two really entertaining uh, football games to end the Canadian football season, which I always like to see. Yeah, I thought the Grey Cup was okay. Like, I think the ending is going to have people overrate it as like an all time classic. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's an all time classic. I, I won't no. say that. But I, I did, I did see, I did see some of that, like, like because of how it ended, because that was a crazy ending, like yeah. an absolutely amazing, chaotic, like I love that, you know, crazy wacky stuff that happens. Like I did think the first half was a bit of a slog, and during that time I was switching back and forth between the Grey Cup and the NFL games I was watching. Granted, I had money on the NFL game that was going on at the time. I also had money on the Grey Cup, which I won a substantial. I, I, I do. I did pretty well in the Grey Cup. That's another I, thing with. I don't like to brag about my gambling winnings, but I paid for a couple months rent with what I made. So I took Argos money line and the Argos on the spread for big bucks. I dude, I knew going into this game that they were going to win. I, there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to win this game. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put my money where I, I made the biggest bets I've ever made in my life. And when they got down by nine, I was like, I am an idiot. Right. I'm a complete idiot, but I've, then I'm just like nine. That's a touchdown, a field goal. They score a touchdown. They get the ball with like two minutes. Left. Like I'm going through the, you know, because you know, as you're a gambler too, you're going through like, okay, how can I make this work? How can I make this work? Mm-hmm. And well, with the Argos, actually, I didn't take them on the spread. I took them on an alternate spread of minus 0.5. So basically, it was uh, it was basically two pickums, um, mm-hmm. but it was two separate bets and when you worked it down to, cause I think they were five and a half point underdogs going into the game. You bumped it down to that. It was like plus four fifty on the, I can't remember the exact total. Like I'm, I just know how much money I won. And then as soon as that money came into my account, I immediately withdrew it. <laughs> cause I was like, okay, this is going to pay for all my Christmas presents and my rent for the next two months. Um, but other, like, again, I was watching, I was watching that game. I was like, cause I was watching the NFL game cause I had money on that as well. But then the second half began. And like I said, going into the game, I think we might've even talked about it on here. Like I wasn't interested in this matchup and it, especially that first half, it didn't, it didn't maintain my, like I was going back and forth and I was watching like the grant, I was watching the Broncos and anytime I can bet against the Broncos, I will bet against the Broncos. That game wasn't great either, 
but then the second half started and I was it it I was still watching a little bit of the Sunday night game. I think it was Chiefs and Chargers, but I had that on after a while I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna grab the iPad. I'm gonna put one game on the iPad and I put the gray cup on the big screen. And I was just completely entranced and entertained by by the gray cup in a game that I wasn't I knew would probably be a pretty good game, but that I wasn't overly interested in watching the final six minutes of that game where everything just kind of went haywire. That's the type of stuff I love when I watch a game that I don't have like an emotional investment in. So as much as I went in there pessimistic about uh, it's a matchup between a team I hate and a team I don't want to see win. It, it did end up entertaining me to a way it, again. And maybe because I won a substantial amount of money, it makes the fact that the Argos won even easier to swallow, but mm-hmm. it was, it ended up being, Again, like you said, not an all-time classic Grey Cup, but it's still a pretty damn good game. Yeah, I agree. Now it's my turn to brag about my betting um, during the Grey <laughs> Cup game. And I didn't make as much as you did, but uh, I went four for four. So I had a rouge, one rouge in the game, which happened, uh, over three and a half sacks. Uh, the Argos on the five and a half spread. And uh, there was another one, but I can't recall right now. So... It's always a good thing. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, when you do really well, it's uh, it's a nice little, you know, addition to the entertainment value of the game. So it, it, someone, was, it was a good Sunday. Someone hit me up post game after the Argos won, and I was like, it was never in doubt. That's why I bet all the money. They hit me up saying when they were down nine, they took them on the money line at like plus nine twenty five. It's like, whoo, I mean, even if you only bet ten bucks, you're getting back almost a hundred for. I mean, if you bet a hundred, if you bet more than that, Jesus Christ. But it was, uh, again, I don't want to make this too much of a gambling thing because there's a lot of people out there that are probably listen to this that don't like to gamble or, or hate people because mm-hmm. gambling kind of been thrown in your face. But again, when you win a, a nice chunk of change, you kind of like to break about it. And because you like to gamble too, it, it doesn't feel so, so gross. Any other last minute, last thoughts about the great cup before we move on to kind of some off season news with the tie cats that have already started. What do you make of, uh, Chad Kelly coming into the game like I didn't even know interesting what happened I didn't even know what happened like if they didn't say right away that Thompson no, got because injured T- TSN is terrible at that yeah they are at that for sure um and it's just suddenly Chad Kelly was in the game and I was like whoa that's weird um but I thought he performed pretty good uh you know it wasn't spectacular but he did do some good things during the game Certainly makes the Argos quarterbacking decision for next season kind of interesting. No, like there's all this talk. I'm sure you've seen it online about Bo's going to test, test, even though the tie got traded for his rights, he's going to test free agency. And one of the places they're, they're saying he's going to go is Toronto. Although he said in an interview this week that he wants to go to a place where they love football and the stands are packed. So I think that that knocks Toronto off potentially. And that's not me taking a shot at their attendance, but I mean, if he wants to go to a place where the stands mm. are full, there's only a couple of places he can really go. Right. Yeah. Um, but they, McLeod Bethel Thompson is a free agent. There's been rumors that he's potentially going to retire, but now he's, he got surgery on that injured thumb that he suffered in the gray cup. So would you go get, sir? I, like, again, you probably get surgery anyway, but now does that makes that decision interesting? Chad Kelly comes in. He said, I think he gave an interview where he said he's a thousand percent ready to be a starter for the Argos. So that makes it interesting. Then the whole bow of it, like it, it certainly makes Toronto's decision this off season. Like it could, they could knock off a potential Bo Levi Mitchell landing spot without Bo even looking at, you know what I mean? Like, I I think Kelly, like, do do you start him after that? Maybe, but I mean, I'd like to see what he could do because I do think he's a talented kid. I think he's just got a bit of a knucklehead, and mm-hmm. I think if you look into his past, you'll kind of see that. But he came in, he did his job. The Argos did what they normally do, which is win Grey Cups, and 
I don't know. I, I think that that gives Toronto something that they really have to think about. Do you do you keep? Do you go and break the bank for a proven starter, or do you roll with the young kid like BC did this year, and you know build up the team around him with expensive veterans? I I think that's something they have to look into. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't know if, if this if Chad Kelly it would be a draw for Toronto. Mm. I'm thinking on the business side of it. Yeah, you know. He went to a major college football program. Yeah. You know, he had his stint in the NFL and that didn't go his way because of personal issues. Um, but he is a big time, like, you know, talent. So, uh, and family legacy. Yeah. With uh, his uncle, like, Jim Kelly. That's so, just it. Like, you got to remember, like, a lot of people, cause they, you know, they say the CFL fans are older. A lot of those fans, maybe Laps fans, will remember there were probably Bills fans in the early nineties. And it's like, Oh, he's Jim's nephew. Okay. Like you got to wonder if maybe like, again, I don't know if anything the Argos can do marketing wise will matter, but you got to wonder if that could be something they could tap into. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm thinking, but uh, enough about the Argos. All right, let's move on to talking about the Ticats then. And the team announced about a week or so ago that they had reached a deal with linebacker Kyle Wilson on a contract extension that will keep him in black and gold for the next two years. Wilson last year played in 17 games, starting 10, and recorded 45 total tackles, five tackles for loss, one forced fumble, and one pass breakup. As everyone listening to this knows, Wilson saw the field mostly when future Hall of Fame linebacker, future Wall of Honor nominee Simone Lawrence missed some time due to injury for the first time in his career. The deal with Wilson, I haven't seen numbers yet, so I'm not sure what the contract looks like, but I can't imagine it's, you know, Adam Big Hill at his peak numbers or Solomon Millie at his peak numbers, you know what I mean? But I'm sure he got a nice raise on what he was making at, a, at, at the rookie minimum. But this does lead to the inevitable question of what this signing means for the future of Simone Lawrence in Hamilton. Like, do you think that this... I, I, like, I don't think that this signing necessarily means that he won't be back, but what about you? Do you think this means he won't be back? Do you think these two guys can coexist? together like it's it definitely breeds some sort of unknowingness to this whole proceedings does it not yeah it, it throws a little you know monkey wrench into the situation because wilson was the guy that like you said filled in for simone lawrence and he did a pretty darn good job at that linebacker position but i'm with you i don't think that this ne- necessarily means that simone is on his way out in tiger town uh, I can't see the team letting him go going into this season. Uh, I, I just think that he will be on this squad in 2023 and will be a starter. Now, Kyle Wilson is a good, uh, you know, a good guy to have for depth if Simone gets injured again because he's getting up there in age and injuries happen. So um, I think it's a good signing, but I don't think it's, you know, a signing that's going to replace Simone Lawrence. You got to think that a lot of what the Ticats do is going to be around how do we get Bo to sign, right? And I feel as if Bo would want a more veteran-heavy team that's been there, done that. And I just don't know if, like, it could. This could if if the team moves on from Simone, I won't be surprised because I'm you're you can never be surprised when when teams decide to to let go of veteran players, especially in the CFL. My understanding is he's staying up here this offseason. Simone, that is. I think he's staying in his place in Grimsby. I just don't think he would do that if the plan was, well, you're not coming back. Mm-hmm. And I feel as if with what the team did last year, signing Micah Johnson, but then still bringing back Ted Laurent, I don't necessarily think that keeping Kyle Wilson 
leads to them saying Simone can go. I think because of what they did last year at a different position, obviously, but they could still keep both of them. Maybe they maybe they let Jovan Santos Knox go and they move Kyle Wilson to the middle. Like I don't know if he can play there. I don't know if he has played there. But there's I don't necessarily think that this I, I think it it leads to maybe if, if Simone's not back, I won't be surprised. Versus if Wilson hadn't signed, then I would be because it's like, okay, who are they playing at that position? But I don't think that this necessarily means there's no way Simone comes back, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I just can't see uh, going into a season where you're playing at home in the great yeah. cup, you know, letting a player of that magnitude, you know, a guy that's been the face of this franchise for many years now, just letting him go. I just, I just don't see it. I don't think his play has dropped off that dramatically that, you know, they would have no use for him anymore. Yeah. To me, it would just be, is he too old and injured? That's, that's where you would like, are you paying for past performance or do you think he can get back to that? I'm not necessarily saying he needs to get back to like an all-star, you know, defensive player of the year caliber player, but can he get back to being disruptive and making plays? If you think that the injury was a fluke and not a sign of wear and tear and that he's going to be breaking down, then I, I think you do bring him back. And I, and I agree with you with it being next off season. If this was next off season after the cup had already been in Hamilton, then I think I'd be a little more like this could, this could be the sign of the end. But I, I just feel as if this team is going to try to load up to finally end the drought and finally win it here to, in front of what will likely be a very highly attended game of, with Ticat fans in attendance. That feels more to me. It feels more likely that, that losing a player of Simone's caliber, what he means to the franchise, the city and the fan base, that se- seems like a 2023 off season move, not a 2022 off season move. Yeah, totally agree, Josh. Totally agree. All right, so let's move on to the other Ticat story that kind of took social media by storm. And this was Dane Evans posting on his Instagram. I don't know if it was Instagram stories or it was a picture. I, I, I don't really understand Instagram all that much. I'm I'm going to make myself sound old, but he posted a picture of a U-Haul van with a peace sign emoji saying Hamilton. So basically saying peace out Hamilton. Three Down Nation then saw this. They ran with it. It just for the record show, I did not write this piece. This was not me, but they took this and they, they ran with it. And then, you know, you get criticism for clickbait and all that other sorts of stuff. I don't want you to bite your tongue here, Mike, because I want you to give a genuine opinion. I know that, that I have a, obviously I work for three down nation, but if you think this was BS, then by all means, please don't, don't hold back. Do you think this is a story? Do you think it's a non-story? Do you think this is just an example of there was a slow news day and we needed something to post? Like, what do you make of this whole sort of firestorm that a picture on Instagram created? Uh, you know, I don't blame Three Down Nation for posting it. Um, listen, there, there's there been other things that I've had problem with before on Three Down, like way more than, than that post. Um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's something – that we could, you know, talk about. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, how, you know, how I'll, I'll, you know how I described it. This isn't a small story. It's not a big story. It's a medium sized story. And here, right. and here's why this would, this would be nothing if the tie cats didn't trade for Bo Levi Mitchell's rights. This is a, this is a story because the tie cats went out after signing Dane Evans to a big contract last year and traded for a guy to take his job. And I think, if this had occurred in, and it, let's say, for instance, Bo's rights got traded to Toronto right after the Grey Cup. 
I know we the Ticats traded before, but right after the Grey Cup, they trade for him. And then you watch that Grey Cup celebration, and McLeod Bethel Thompson isn't there. And he wasn't right. there. He was at home. That would be a bigger – like, I think it's a big – it's a weird story that he wasn't there. It's like you won the Cup on Sunday, your celebration mm-hmm. things on Thursday. And you're, like, to me, that was weird. That's but especially imagine if they – Like, his – sorry to – like, no, no. just his career, like a journeyman, he finally yeah. – gets to be the starter he finally gets a championship and he's not there it's like what that, it was weird right okay very strange, very strange so imagine if they had traded for a guy to take his job even after they won the great cup and then that happens like that would be a story so i that's why i think that this is again not a this is not a massive story but the tie cast has dane chose to post it right he didn't yep. have to post it nope. He didn't have to, you know, he's going home. He didn't have to put anything online, but he did. I think it was a sign from him saying, basically, you know, screw you, Ticats. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I don't think I'm, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be here next year. Yeah, that's what I read into it anyways. And and people and people would say that, uh, you know, players always go back to the States. And I was one of them when I first heard this story. Um, someone DM'd us about it, actually, before 3Down picked it up. Oh, and, okay. And I was like, because uh, they saw the Instagram story and just, DM'd us right away, and I was like, "Well, people move back to the states all the time. I mean, he's from there, so." But then you look at like how much stuff he's moving, and just just the way that he posted with the peace sign and all that. I think it's a sign that he's saying, "I'm not coming back. I will not be with the Ticats next year." Well, and that was the thing too, like, oh, you like, because that that's sort of the clap back that I heard from people who didn't like this. Like, you wouldn't write this story about any other player that was going home for the off season, but the situation is different, and. Man, do I, I I understand that there's a divide between NFL and CFL fans, but this past offseason, there were a couple of players, Kyler Murray, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, Debo Samuel, wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. There were weeks of discussions about what they did on their Instagram page. Debo had wiped all the 49ers stuff off there. Kyler Murray wiped all the Arizona Cardinals stuff off there. And that was what they talked about in the offseason because there was nothing else going on. Social media, unfortunately, this is this is the world we live in. The Ticats have gone out and said we needed to get better at the quarterback position. So we trade this. And again, I'm not saying that they're right or wrong, but this is what they're putting out there with their actions. They go and they trade for a guy that they think will make them better at the position while the starting quarterback is essentially waving goodbye to his football home. Like, I think that that like you said, that is something worth talking about. Like, it's not the most important piece of news in history, but it's still something that. Like, it's an interesting development, and whether Ticat fans like it or not, like, every move Dane Evans makes, Bo Levi Mitchell makes, Matthew Schiltz makes even, like, over the next two and a half months until free agency, like, it's going to be dissected like this because Bo leaving Calgary was a big story. Bo coming to Hamilton makes it a bigger story because the Ticats just paid a bunch of money for a starting quarterback who's now got one year left on his contract. What do they do with him? Every move these guys make is going to be disseminated down to the smallest possible atom. And I just think that I think you're naive to think that something like this. And again, I think Dane, if he, if he posed this, not thinking it would be a thing is naive in that as well. Thinking this wouldn't blow up into something, into something again, like I said, not a huge story, but a medium sized story. Like you had to have known you do something like this, something's going to come of it. Right. Like I just don't see how in this modern age of, of where the media is, social media and all that, how you couldn't know that doing this with so little context to it. It's not as if you made like this long Instagram post, this long Twitter post or this long Facebook post about how, about whatever it is, like I'm moving back home or whatever. It was simple. It was, it was 
short and to the point. And that leads to people speculating. That's just the, the world we live in, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And this is how people communicate these days. You know, this is how they show mm-hmm. displeasure. Um, you know, the generation, the younger generations, this is what they do. I just made myself sound really old there, but no, but you're but right. Yeah, but this is, yeah, this is how the world works now. If they're unhappy with something, they're not necessarily going to say it straight up. They're going to post it on their Instagram or their Twitter or whatever. Um, so I think this is, you know, this shows that he is very displeased and, uh, we'll probably not be with the Ticats next year. I, I tend to agree with that. I know we got a question later about what the Ticats will do at quarterback, but, uh, that we can get into more of this then. But I was, I was a little taken aback, honestly, by the, cause when you think, when you really think about it, this is something like you even said worth discussing. I think people who are just like blown away that this would blow up into something. I, I think they're just, they just either you're willfully ignorant of the world you live in, or you just think that everything's, you know, rose petals and, and stickers. And you know what I mean? Like you just think everything's perfect and nothing bad could ever happen. It's just, I, I think he's, he played poorly last year. The team went out and got someone to, to take his job. I mean, you, putting two and two together gets you four there. Does it not? It does. The Ticats made a decision and yep. it didn't take them long. Um, they jumped at the opportunity to just talk to Bo. It, it was so, the day after the division final. So it was yeah. eight days after their season was over. Yeah. So obviously they have an opinion on Dane and whether or not, you know, obviously they're not going to say anything public, no. but we know what they're thinking. Like it's yeah. pretty freaking obvious. Right. So, you know, coach O can say whatever he wants. I, I don't, you know, it's just coach talk. I don't take anything he says in the public um, very seriously because that's just, you know, he's a coach. So that's what the coaches do. Um, obviously, he's not going to say anything bad about Dane. I don't expect that. But his actions and the actions of the franchise speak really, really loudly. What, what's the old saying? Actions speak louder than words, right? And their actions are, we need to get better at quarterback. So they went and got someone to be better at quarterback. I, again, I just, I don't know. I don't understand why people are... are you know, be befuddled why why this would be a thing. All right, let's move on to some CFL news, Mike. And the biggest piece of information that came out during Grey Cup week was when the commissioner told the fans, which we can get into that in a second, but let's get through this first. At the fan state of the league address that he has every year, that the division semifinals and finals would be moving from Sunday to Saturday starting next season. Brady Ambrosi did say that the Grey Cup, however, would be staying as a Sunday evening start time so that no changes there. How do you feel, Mike, about the league moving four of their five postseason matchups to Saturday from their traditional Sunday? Personally, it sucks for me because I work Saturdays now. So <laughs> I'm going to have to book that shit off. You know what I mean? So personally, I don't like it, but I like the fact that they're trying something different. And I know you don't think it's going to make a difference on Saturdays. I think it's a terrible idea. But I... I but. You've been saying on this podcast for a long time that you hate Sunday games, right? Have you not? Play, playoff games are different. Playoff, playoff games, games because playoff games have playoff games attract a larger audience, and I think they attract a larger audience because they're on Sunday. Sunday afternoon is football time. When you think, like, I know, like for for me and you and and other not you know knuckleheads, Saturday afternoon is also football time because of college football. But I think your casual, especially that late in the year, your your early Novembers, your casual sports fan who's clicking around looking for a game, 
could stop on a CFL game. They're not going to be doing that on a Saturday, I don't think. That's why I think it's a bad decision because I think the people, your hardcores are going to be there. I said this on Twitter. I said your, your hardcore fans would watch a playoff game at three o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday if that's when they played them. Like the World Cup is on. They were games at 5 a.m. and I know people that got up to watch them. I didn't. I, much as I like soccer, I'm not going to up at 5 a.m. to watch a soccer game. But your hardcores will find your your stuff when when whenever you put it on. It's the casuals that you're 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 going to be missing out on. And I just think, yeah, I don't love Sunday games going up against the NFL, but playoff games to me that's a different animal. You know what I mean? Like that's there's a different level of interest in playoff football or in playoff sports in general. You see that in the ratings. Playoff games attract a larger audience than than a normal game does. I just don't think. Yes, it's trying something, and if it doesn't work, I guess they can always move it back. I'm just, I'm very curious to see. Like, I think it's bad, but I will be more than willing to eat my own crow here. You know, take my foot out of my mouth, if you will. If this ends up being great for the league and they they attract, because I don't think the, I don't think you're losing. Like, I think you get, you're going to get the same amount of fans in the stands, and I don't think you can cater to that because that's a, you, you got to, you want to cater your TV audience, and I just don't think the TV audience is going to move with you. Those casual fans that you're hoping to attract are going to move with you to Saturday that you would get on Sunday. That's, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and I'll be happy to be wrong. I can respect that opinion. But, uh, what about, you know, the terrible TV numbers that the playoffs have had lately? Do you think that it's because, um, no one, you know, it's because NFL fans won't watch the CFL on Sunday or just because it's a dying brand. Well, it can't be because fans won't watch because you say that, the, yeah, the playoff numbers aren't great, but three three million or so people tune in to watch the Grey Cup. And that's yeah, it's trash. Yeah, okay. I I, okay. I understand. But, what, but you know what I'm saying? Like three million people don't tune in every week to watch a game. You know what I mean? But you'll you'll still get those casual or, you know, big game fans to come and watch the Grey Cup. So oh, but again, I say that facetiously three million is trash because – I know. You look like a secondary league. Tell me the secondary league that draws three million or three million uh, fans watching on TV for a championship game. Well, AHL? I, none. none. No, of course so, not. Of course not. I, I think we have to look, take a step back, and realize that you know it's not the World Cup. It's not Canada versus the world. It's not the because you're going to get those bandwagon fans if the Raptors are in the finals or sure all that stuff. So I just think we need to like take it with a grain of salt and realize that, you know, there's not 8 million Raptor fans that watch every single Raptors game. They're pulled in because it's a cool thing to watch. And the CFL doesn't have that. So my, I don't know my, what my point is here. <laughs> no, I'll <laughs> tell you, my, my only concern with the television ratings for things like the Grey Cup is seeing, like, it's 50% less than a decade ago. It's yeah. not the number because three million people, three and a half million people, like they they do television numbers differently than they did twenty years ago. Like if you were wrestling fans, we remember the ratings wars between Nitro and Raw back in the day. They're still they still talk about ratings numbers now, and they're they're they don't talk about like numbers. They talk about actual viewers in the, in their like minute form, like five, you know one point six seven eight three five million people watched SmackDown on Friday. You know what I mean? So they, they 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 calculate that stuff differently than they used to 20 years ago. But there is, to me, a concern. And, and again, I don't know where it comes from of the fact that viewership is down half of where it was a decade ago. Like that, to me, would be a little concerning. However, 
you mentioned the secondary league thing. And I think that's something that the CFL, I, I know that they want to, you know, portray this image of they're the elite. They're, they're going to be the brand. You know what I mean? I understand that they have to say that. I think there needs to be a reevaluation of just what the CFL is because I see, I, I follow a, a secondary, I don't even know if you'd call it secondary, professional sports league in Canada that does 5,000 people at a game. I was at the championship game that's had 15,000 people there at a stadium that seats 25,000 where the entire upper deck on one side wasn't open. Like, it's a great number. And I understand that the CPL, they're a growing league, so you expect them to start small and expand. But have we have we maybe just tapped out on, and maybe this was part of the whole going global thing, have we just tapped out on the amount of people that want to watch football in Canada? Because it's not mm-hmm. like the NFL numbers are, like, it's not like you say, oh, the C, uh, the playoff game drew, you know, 680,000 people, and that NFL game had 5 million. It's not that big a discrepancy. I think there's just a cap on how many people in this country like to watch football versus the United States where football is king. And I think that sort of limits how high the CFL could actually go. And if we reset our expectations and just say, okay, this is what the league is. This is where they're going to be. And that's okay. I think we'd all be a lot happier. Yeah, I think so too. I think we reached a peak, you know, 2009, 2010. And we got to remember the riders were in that great cup where they drew like yep. six, six million viewers or something crazy yep. like that. Um, now do, I know that, you know, as soon as you say, put the great cup on CTV, there'll be a, like a bunch of people that call you fucking stupid for even suggesting it. But do you think that would make any difference at all if it was on TSN and CTV, or is that just a dumb, stupid idea? Well, I don't, I don't think any idea is stupid. Like I don't like the Saturday playoff idea, but I'm, I, I, I don't think I just don't, I may have said it's stupid. I just don't think it'll work, but it doesn't mean it's not worth trying. I mean, I know why they it won't happen, but that doesn't mean it's not worth trying to make happen. If that makes sense. Like, I'm not saying like the people who just say the CFL should force their way on there, which is not what you're saying. So I'm not saying that, but I do see people say like the CFL should force their. It's like, they don't have that power. No. Now, if they could find a way to get it on there, that probably would help just as, just as it I probably helped like when, when the game was on CBC all those years ago. Right, like you, right. you have you had more homes with the ability to get it. To me, though, how many homes don't have TSN? Like, if you wanted to watch the Grey Cup, you'd find a way to watch the Grey Cup. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that having it because it's not like we're in the days of you either have you have like a cable hookup or an antenna. Like, how many people do you know have antennas? Like, you're, we're not talking about people. Like, everyone has a cable box in their home if they have cable, and if they don't, they, and they, they've cut cords, well. Well, then you'd have to not like having on CTV would matter anyway, because you'd have to find some sort of subscription to get. You know what I mean? So I just I I think thinking terrestrial cable is the wrong thing. I think we know streaming is is where everything goes. You want your content online. I get and I understand the perils and pitfalls and why the CFL isn't an attractive brand there either. I understand all that. I don't necessarily know if like maybe you get a few more eyeballs, but at the end of the day. Is it, I don't think it would make a huge difference, but that's just that's just my opinion. Now, why do you think they do it with the MLS? Like, if it's pointless, why do they do that? It I the MLS? that I that I don't know. I Is don't it know why. Audience or like it's because they they say like oh it's a subscriber thing. Like you're right, they do do it with MLS though, and MLS yeah, does like 
does like a quarter at best of what CFL, uh, the worst CFL games get you like 350 to 400,000 viewers. Those TFC games sometimes get you 150. Yeah. It's just kind but of puzzling to me. Um, it, it is. I, the only, the only thing I can think of is it's, it's the, the MLS is an American league right. and not, there's some, there's some sort of American rights thing. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know because you're right. That that's the one when your argument is don't, Oh, the CFL doesn't have the clout to put it on CTV. The one argument against that, that I don't think anyone can answer is the MLS thing. Cause I don't, mm-hmm. cause the MLS thing doesn't make any, cause they talk, cause one of the reasons I don't put Grey Cup on CTV because CTV shows NFL games or they have American, you know, ready-made American content that they can just throw on there without it costing them anything. And they get millions of viewers maybe because they throw those MLS games on at, two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. So they weren't going to have any programming them anyway. I don't know. I really don't know. It's a good question. It's honestly a good question to ask though, because I it's, it is that one, like I said, it is that one thing where it's like, if you say the CFL can't do it, your comeback can be MLS. And I don't know if there's a good answer for it. Yeah. And I'm not like a diehard, you know, you have to put it on CTV guy. Cause you know, I'm, I have all the TSN channels. And if you're a sports Mm -hmm. fan, yeah, it's funny. I, this, there's this reporter in Calgary that covers the Stampeders and always complains that, you know, it's not on TSN one or TSN. It's like, you don't have the, you cover sports and you don't have all the TSN channels. It's like, also, it's the, TSN, the TSN thing It's they don't have five channels. They have Regional. TSN two, which is a national channel, which everyone, everyone gets. And then they have four other or five other, or I think it's four, they have five channels, right? They have mm-hmm. four other regional channels. Like I think I think here I think the the regional channels TSN four for you it's probably it's a different one obviously, but I think like I think TSN labeling them one to five because because you don't hear the people complain about this with Sportsnet they have Sportsnet Atlantic Sportsnet Ontario Sportsnet Pacific Sportsnet West and then like whatever the general you know what I mean you don't hear people going well it's on Sportsnet Ontario but not on Sportsnet Alberta like what that's stupid. Because they yeah. branded them differently. I think the problem is people think that TSN has five channels. They don't. They have two channels, four of which are regional channels that are going to show the same thing. Like, we're not going to talk World Cup because I know you don't like soccer. But today, World Cup game, Canada's game this morning was on four of the five TSN channels. And the fifth channel, TSN2, was showing the other game. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same channel just for different regions. And it's like, if you don't have – like, I have I, – I'm like you. I have all the TSN channels because there's – chances are – Sometimes the Ticats game or a game I want to watch isn't going to be on my local one. I have to watch it on a different one. So I have the various TSN channels. Like if you have cable, like why wouldn't you have them all anyway? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. But, and, if, uh, and if you don't and you sign up for just a TSN streaming thing, even though the streaming sucks, you get them all anyway. But yeah. there's, there's no excuse to not have all the TSN channels. No, I agree. I agree. All right. I like to hold us accountable, Mike. I don't see this on a lot of other shows in any sort of sports media where you come on at the beginning of the year, you make some predictions, and you come back at the end of the year, and you look back on them to hold yourself accountable for the things that you thought and the things that you said. But I like to do that for us because I like us to be honest with our audience. We don't know everything. We look at the information, and we kind of we try to predict it as best we can, but we get things wrong more often than we get things right. But I thought it would be fun if – we look back on some of our preseason predictions to just see how badly we got some things wrong. And in some cases, Mike, how right we got some things. Cause uh, before the show, you and I to give a peek behind the curtain looked over some of these things and 
your quote-unquote bold predictions, that was a pretty darn impressive uh, hit streak you had there. I think you hit four or six out of the park and came close on a couple others. So let's look at that. We I think we discussed our Grey Cup stuff uh, just before the Grey Cup. You did correctly predict the Argos and the, and the Bombers to make it. I had the Red Blacks and the Riders. So the less said about that, the better. Uh, looking at our awards picks, we were pretty far off on there. I had Paul LaFelice as my coach of the year, Mike. He did not make the season. So I was really high on Ottawa coming into the season, and clearly that did not pay off. I had Jeremiah Mazzoli's MOP. A lot of people stuff. were yeah, yep. like a lot, like, yeah. So even I, I was pretty high I, on Ottawa, too. I fell for the trap that I always fell for with the Ticats, where it's like they make a bunch of bold offseason moves – they bring in a new quarterback or they bring in some high priced talent. And I'm like, oh, this is the year they're going to go from five and 13 to 13 and five and win the Grey Cup. And then the next year they go four and 14. And it's like, I got to stop falling for this. But I fell for it. I went I went all in on Ottawa this year. I thought they were going to be great. And they weren't. So our player picks, I got Stanley Bryant right as most outstanding offensive lineman. And the rest were garbage. You nailed Mike O'Shea as uh, coach of the year. So uh, congratulations on that. Other than that. It was just, it was not very good. What was good, however, and this is where we're going to send our focus here, Mike, is your bold predictions. Mine, I had Bo Levi Mitchell is none of the season's Calgary starter, and that ended up proving correct. You, however, see, I, I hedged my bets there. I thought there could be injury. You didn't. You said he was going to get benched, and he got benched. Now, you also said he's going to retire after the season. That's obviously not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you said he was going to get benched, and you nailed it. You had Vernon Adams Jr. getting benched, and you nailed it. You had games averaging over 50 points on the season. You barely nailed it, but you nailed it. You had Andrew Harris rushing for under 750 yards, Mike. You nailed it. You said six of nine quarterbacks would be injured before Labor Day. Four of nine quarterbacks injured before Labor Day. I'm sure that that's one you're glad you didn't get right. And the one that you whiffed on completely was the same one that I whiffed on completely. Tim White leading the league in receiving yards. I think he finished third or fourth in the league. So he, he finished close. You weren't far off, but I gotta, I gotta give you a clap, man. Usually most years we are way off on these things for you to nail four of your six bold predictions. Take a bow, sir. Take a bow. I went full negative on it all. I just went completely <laughs> negative. It was, I was right. You know, I, 50 I, points. That's positive. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's positive. I think I also said that, uh, what the, what did I say? Uh, I can't remember now. Uh, oh, well, I did pretty well, though. I usually you did. Oh, yeah. No, that, no, that, no. East, East pretty well suck. would have been two of six. Yeah. Good would have been three of six. Okay, Four okay. six? That's excellent. And I did say the East would suck again this year. And everyone was... Suck again this year. Yeah, and they did suck again. So, I, you know, I feel like I've been fooled so many times over the years. Yep. With the agent signings in the East. And, oh, the East is going to be good this year. Nope. Never. Yep. Never predict these to be good because there, there might be there, a good team, but as a whole, they're going to sack. There was no crossover, though, for the second consecutive season. So they may have sucked, but they sucked in equal measure to the suckiest teams in the West. So there is something to take from that. Because I think you know if, why they I, suck less than I predicted that they would suck is because they, they, they didn't suck as much as you thought they would suck. They and there was one team under five. They lost to the West. Like it was just crazy. Like the East yeah. versus West at the start of the season was really bad. And then they started playing each other, so someone has to win, right? Uh, the, the East, I, I want to say the East won like 8 of 11 against, or 8 of 12 against the West to end the season. So it didn't even out, but 
again, this is what happened. The West is always good at the start, and they build up the wins, and then the East gets back into it. So, no, I'm not going to say the East didn't suck this year. An 8-10 and 10 team made the playoffs. So, yeah, the East wasn't good this year. But they avoided a crossover, which I think before the season a lot of people probably didn't expect. They probably expected a team to cross over, especially when the Riders got off to that 4-1 and one start. It was like, oh, they're crossing over for sure. And then, of course, they won two of their final 14 games or whatever it was. But yeah, no, I, but again, not to, not, I don't want to hew into the negative. I want to give you your, your, your flowers here. That was, that was, a, I, you have a big shoes to fill though next year. Like you got to come good with the bold predictions because you got a reputation to live up to now, buddy. Oh, Mike Stradamus. I'm going to have to keep Mike it going. Stradamus. Okay. Real effort in. All right, Mike, year. I'm asking you, Mike Stradamus, is Bo signing with the Ticats or is he signing somewhere else? He's signing with the Ticats, baby, because there there's all these reports out there that are just ridiculous that he, you know, all he cares about is money now. And uh, yep. no, no, shut up. That's not true at all. Like, who? Yep. Uh, anyways. Um, well, my, my, but yeah, my, I, I, my favorite I, was before he got sent to Hamilton, some guy said on his Facebook page, who claims to be an insider, that he, he'd seen that he'd bought a house in Regina. And that everyone's <laughs> an insider. <laughs> it's just funny. It's just funny. It's funny. But uh, yeah, but if I had to bet, I would say that he ends up in, with the Thai Cats because it would just be such a blunder by the franchise. To get his rights and then lose him to like Toronto, especially something like that. I just don't see him being going to Saskatchewan with that offensive line and the way like he wants to win. He wants and, to and win. Doesn't obviously he wants to make money too, but he wants to be in a good situation. And anyone says any different is just being, you know, trying to get a, attention or something. It's you're coming. You're coming up with reasons why he won't stay in Hamilton. If you if you're you know what I mean? Because like you're right. He wants to win. The Ticats, again, you can say what you want about them, but they they have a roster. Most of this roster has been to the Grey Cup. Like, it's not it's a roster that's missing a piece or two. It's not like the Riders. That like he wants to go somewhere where he can set up a legacy. And I understand he could go to if he went to Saskatchewan, turn them around and won a Grey Cup. Like that would be as big as anything. But you're gonna win a championship behind an offensive line as bad as that. Like, I, I think he wants to that are survive. okay but not great. Like I don't yeah. know. I think he wants to win. I think I also think he wants to survive. You know, I yeah. I don't want to get his head knocked off. So I think that's going to be a big factor. You know, surviving. So I get well. It's one of those things we're going to monitor the rest of the year, right? Until until he signs, we're going to fig- have to fi- we're going to have to hear about this. So there's going to always going to be people coming out with reasons why he's going to go one place and not the other. I guess we'll find out when uh, you know the Ticats send out that we've signed Bo Levi Mitchell to a three year contract extension. Tweet on January 18th or whatever. Uh, okay, mailbag time, Mike. We're going to end the year, end this episode with some fun discussions, some questions asked by our listeners. So take it away, buddy. From our boy, Tiger Sammy, who are the three biggest names you can see the team moving on from by not resigning them? Uh, biggest names? I mean, Simone's obviously the biggest one that I could see them moving on from awesome. the Kyle Wilson thing. Like I could see that happening. I don't think it will, but I could see that happening. Micah Johnson. Uh, he was a, I think he was a divisional all-star this year. I could, that, he signed a one-year contract. Like I could see them moving on from him going, going younger in there. Uh, Jamal roll is another guy. Uh, I like him. I think he's a good player. I think he's excellent in the secondary. That's another guy that I could see. There, there, there's, I think it's, I think Jamal roll, Siante Evans, and Richard Leonard, I think, are free agents. I could be wrong on that. Maybe it's just the two. But they, there's going to be, you're going to pay Bo a certain amount of money. Hopefully, 
You're probably going to have to bring in some free agents that he wants here to make him happy. There's going to be some cu- cutting somewhere. I could see them not being willing to pay Jamal Roll what he wants, and he goes somewhere else. Those are my three. Simone, Micah, and Jamal Roll. What about you? I got Chris Van Zyl. Uh, oh! I just think that time has come to an end uh, with the Ticats. I know that he wants to play still, but unless they sign him to uh, make an agreement that he'll be a backup um, next, I just don't see them taking the risk on signing a guy. You know, a Canadian tackle is going to command a lot of money, so I, I just don't see him back. Uh, Ted Laurent, I think he's getting mm-hmm. up in age. Um, been a great tie cat, but I, I, I don't see him coming back. And keeping with that, you know, defensive line, Micah, Micah Johnson, I, I, I think he was good this year, but I just don't see – he's also long in the tooth a little bit as well. Yeah. I can't see him coming back either. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, you think that there's no chance Simone's not here next year? Yeah, I, I think he will be back. Like okay. I just, I just can't see them getting rid of him. But I just, you know, I just see big think- names and, and he's one of those guys. When I, when you think of big names, that could, I yep. think of like if you would asked last year, is Brandon Banks coming back? If, if like if you, we would ask been asked this question, three biggest names you could see not coming back, Brandon Banks would have been the top of my list. Not and I, but I would have said like I think he'll be back, but I, I he could be gone, and then he is. I don't know. I, I could see Simone. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're right. Well, I, I hope none of us are right. I hope they can find a way to bring back all these guys. But I don't know. Anyway, we'll move on to the next question. From uh, our boy as well, Adam Stalker, a longtime listener. Where should the Ticats start their seven Canadians in 2023? Oh, okay. Um, well, I think we got we got to start the four on the offensive line. I think you got – I don't think Revenberg's going anywhere. You got David Beard. You got Woodmanzi. And whether it's Saxlid or Van Zyl, I think you got your four Canadians on the offensive line. I think there's going to be one in the receiving core. I'll say Keandre Smith because I don't think Lamar Durant's going to be back. So I'll say Keandre Smith starts there. And here's my wrinkle. I think you start Stavros Katzentonis at safety. And you start Tunde Delique at one of yes. the halfback spots. I think See, the you funny, put, thing, funny thing about that is I toyed with that idea as well. Yeah. Um, I just didn't. Oh, if we have the depth to have backups for those positions. Well, at safety, you'd have. Yeah, that'd be tough. You'd probably maybe maybe you convince Mike Daly to come back to be a backup because I know they signed him. He didn't play, but they signed him late in the season. Maybe you can convince him to come back. He could be your backup safety. But then if the DB goes down, but they still have they still have a Mason Bennett on the defensive line. So if, if one of the DBs goes down and Tunde has been incredibly durable during his time in Hamilton. I'm not even sure if he's missed a game due to injury. Like he may have sat a game because like they they're locked into their playoff spot. You know what I mean? But I don't think he's missed a game since he's been in Hamilton. So yeah, I, I think because I think he can play a halfback position. I think it's, if you put him at the field half, especially, and then you get Katz and Tonus, who I think I'm pretty sure he's going to the last year of his contract this year. He's going to be a starter in this league. And if he's not one with the tie cats, he's going to be somewhere else. So I think this move can work. So you said you toyed with it, but you didn't ultimately go there. So what's your seven then? So I got uh, Revenberg, Woodmanzi, Beard, Saxlit along the offensive line. Okay. Adelke at safety. Um, and Bennett on defensive end. I think that okay. they've been, had, you know, a lot of high expectations for him over the years. I think that this is his time. Uh, and then I got Smith and Ternowski at the receiver positions. And oh, ST I forgot and- about Ternowski. And STE is, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to start. I think you got to get West Hills back 
or you don't have to, but it, I'd like that to happen. And you can, you know, you can put in STE because he's been really good at that backup position, running mm-hmm. back. Put him in. He he can do a lot of good things still. So I think you could use him as a rotation if necessary. So do you think do you think they go two Canadians at wide receiver, or do you think they just go one? I think ultimately they're probably just going to go one. Yeah. Um, and you're and right. I, probably Janowski over Smith. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Smith has a lot of potential, but I think Ternowski is a slightly better player at this point in time. I agree with you on that one. But I think you could see, I think you'll see both. If they're both back and they both should be, they're both under contract. I think if, if that's what they go, I think you can see both guys slotted in and out pretty, not evenly, but I think you'll, I think you'll see when everyone starts, the backup's going to get time on offense too. Yep. Uh, now there's a second part to the question. If you could target a Canadian starter in free agency, who would you go after? Oh, this is, I, I, I wrote a bunch down here, but my number one target, it's a Canadian wide receiver and it's Curly Gittin Jr. I don't think he's going to leave Toronto, but if there's a Canadian starter to go and get, go pay him a boatload of money to come down the road. Cause I think he's awesome. I know he didn't play Bill really. Went. I don't, I know he didn't go play ahead. great in the great cup, but that's the guy I'd go after. Yeah, he's probably. And then I would pitch him on Gittin's mittens, and we'd make it. You know, we'd make thousands. Yes, fortune. Um, I went also a Canadian receiver, but I went Nick Dembski. Now, oh. trying to buy him it, off the Bombers, eh? Yeah, he'd steal them away from the Bombers, which is probably unlikely because he's a yeah. he's a Manitoba boy. He, you know, he's a big part of that franchise. I, I think he probably re-ups with Winnipeg, but I think he'd look pretty good in a tie cat uniform. There's a couple other I just want to mention because we don't tend to talk about. I mean, we both picked receivers because that's the flashy position, right? I don't think either. I I think they could get one. I don't think they could get the other. But I'd love for them to make a run at Kwaku Botang and Cleon Lang. You want to get, you want to move on from Ted Laurent? Go get younger Ted Laurent and put him in there. Right. You know what I mean? Actually, maybe Cleon Lang might not actually be younger than Ted Laurent now that I think of it. I, think I, I looked heard, at him. He's, he's getting there. I think he's in his yeah, like, close to mid. If I'm not mistaken, he I think he was drafted. He's 32. And Ted Laurent is 34. So he's slightly younger than Ted Laurent, but not super, super young. But I also throw a name, uh, Jake Thomas. That'd be a good guy. To oh, from after. the from the Bombers. You're trying to steal Bombers players. Yeah. Well, he's a little bit up there, too. I think he's around 32 as well. So Yeah. And I, I, uh. I get look, I don't think Gittins is leaving. I don't think Dembski's leaving. I don't think Kwaku's leaving. Cleon Lang might. Cam Judge, you know, you move on from yeah. a guy, you move on from uh, Joe Monsanto's Knox, you bring in Cam Judge. Like, go get Michael O'Connor. I know he's not a starter, but you go get Michael O'Connor as your backup quarterback to Bo Levi Mitchell. He was both backup in Calgary for a bit. I don't know. There, there are more, again, we're how many weeks? Like two and a half months from the start of free agency. A lot of these guys are going to get signed. But if Curly Gittins Jr. hits the market and he does not become a Hamilton Tire Cat, I'm going to be very disappointed. Which potential free agent would be the biggest loss? My vote, Cam Kelly, who's young enough to get another NFL shot. Is this Adam as well? Man, Adam loves Cam Kelly, if that's who has asked this question. He does. Yep. yep. Yeah, he loves Cam Kelly. I, I agree with him. Cam, I think Cam would be a pretty big loss. I mean, Bo, I know he's not yeah. on the team, but if they were to you know, fumble that bag, I think it'd be pretty pretty devastating to the franchise because where do you go next? Uh, and and I think the I, I agree with Cam. Bo's my jokey answer, but Tim White. Tim, I, I know at the beginning of the season, didn't play very well, but at the end of the season, he really turned it on. And I think uh, receiving core with him as your 1A or 1B 
I with Bo as quarterback, I think it'd be really devastating. So I, I while I agree with Cam Kelly, I think losing Tim White would be worse. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that you gotta bring back Tim White. I mean, you know, there is some talented guys on this roster, but Tim White's the number one receiver. I think you bring in another receiver to compliment him. Either he's the one A or one B. But yeah, I think you gotta bring back Tim White. He's just he was too dynamic and just too clutch um, at the end, near the end of the season. That I think that you just you have to bring him, find a way to bring him back. Yeah, uh, he's gonna he's gonna commit a big check, but I think he's gonna be worth it. Yeah. Uh, from Jim Martin, uh, do you see the rule changes this year? Fifteen yard, no yards, closer hash marks, etc. As a successful experiment, or should the CFL get rid of them? I mean, I get like I I don't think that they were bad. I I like I don't think they had a negative impact on the the game. So I see no reason not to keep them. Like I think they were they I think I don't know if they were a roaring success, but they weren't. They didn't cause any sort of. It's not it's not like they made the game worse. That's what I'm trying to get at. So yeah, I mean, what why not keep them? There, I I don't see any reason not to. That's my I guess that's my position. I'm uh, I'm with you on that answer completely. Uh, now, here's a fun one. Pick a wrestler for each member of the CFL on TSN broadcast crew. Oh, broadcast. So I took panel. So I only took, I didn't, I didn't bring in, because like just Dwayne Ford, I just did the four and the, I did Dunnigan, Milt, Sanchez, and Kate. And I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. I had a, I couldn't come up with ones for Davis Sanchez or Kate Burness. So what, what do you, what do you got for those two? Maybe we'll start there. And I can maybe you know, piggyback. I this question kind of wrong. I just, you know, it says pick a wrestler for each member of the CFL team. I just picked four guys that I wanted to see on the on the panel. Oh, okay. So I'll just that. So I got Danhausen as the host, oh, which for would sure. be there. Ethan Page, our boy from Hamilton. MJF, because he'd just, you know, be an talk. asshole. Uh, and, uh, you know, I kind of ran out of I just threw Adam Cole in there because I think he can talk pretty well as well. He can, so. too. He went all AEW with that, too, interestingly enough. Oh, so we, so we interpreted this question differently because I read it as, like, Maybe because I'm the comparison guy, I picked it as like pick pick a, a comparison. Oh, but picking okay, picking okay, doing it by your way you did it. Who would I have as host? I mean, I think host. I'm trying. To, oh, I'm, I'm with you on I'm with you on Ethan Page. I think that that's a good choice. I think I go Renee. Renee is the host because I think she's just a good host. So I think she'd do a really good job of it. Also Canadian, so that works. Oh, and who who could bring some like excitement? Like who's who's kind of like rowdy right now? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know who would be <laughs> not not perfect in a good way? Orange Cassidy. Just his right. I don't give an F attitude, I think, would yeah. be kind of funny. Like him doing the telestrator where he's like not even really I think that would be kind of hilarious. Um I gotta pick a WWE guy though. Oh, Sammy Zane. Give me Sa- Sammy can talk. Sammy Sammy's goofy and fun. Give me him as as my fourth panel member. But if you want to know what I did, so I couldn't come up with comparisons for Kate, but I did come up with Dunnigan and Milt. I took Billy Gunn for Matt Dunnigan because I feel like he's the panel member most likely to say scissor me daddy ass. And originally I had Rick the Model Martell for Milt Stiegel, but I then I started because of the arrogance and I started thinking, oh, you know, you know what? He's Ric Flair. He's one of the greatest yeah. of all time. The impeccable suits, the look. He's the nature boy. Mill Stegall's nickname should have been 
the nature boy, Milt Stiegel, when he was a player. It would have been perfect. Should have been. Oh, well. Uh, what else you got? Is that it? Um, I got a couple more here. One was about what we do uh, if Bo doesn't sign. And there was one. No, okay, that was the last one, go. I think. I, oh, yeah, I meant uh, you named all oh, the Oh, things, right? oh, I thought you meant for questions. I thought you meant for questions, what ones I had written down. No, 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 that, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Well, that was a fun question. And we'll get into we'll, – we'll do an off-season episode because I know he sent in more Yeah, he sent uh, in a ton of, like, yeah. weird wrestling questions that we'll have to do, like – yeah, we'll just have to spend half an episode talking about it. So we'll do, we'll do real st- football stuff first, and then we'll mm-hmm. cut it off there and say, okay, if you don't like wrestling, you can stop now because the rest is going to be wrestling-related. All right, from Corey A. Proctor, Corey Allen. Uh, if it turns out we can't sign Bo, where do we go from there? We've made it clear to Evans that we're not confident in him. Do we just act like it never happened and stick with him? Yes. That's 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 number one. Be- I, I brought it up on the show. It was the last time we talked because we talked about them bringing in Bo. What do they do with Dane? And I brought up the Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco comparison. They had moved on from him. They were going to trade him. They couldn't find a trade partner. They said, hey, why don't you stick around at a reduced price? He knew it was the best spot for him. If the Ticats don't sign Bo, you go back to Dane and be like, we have a... Here's the thing. Dane's under contract for next year. So if they don't yeah. sign Bo, Dane stays. Like, there's... It's not as if Dane can hold out or can leave on his own. He's signed for next season. And it's not like he's going to sabotage his own career because he's no. upset at the Ticats for, you know, signing Bo or getting his rights. Yeah. So... You know, he just he doesn't have much of a choice if we don't end up signing Bo, and uh, yeah, it, I think it, that's just the way it's gonna go. So I got that one. Then there's also, well, if Bo doesn't sign Hamilton, it means he's signing somewhere. What he's replacing some quarterback. Take that one. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't want Cody Fajardo here, but if he goes to Regina, go take Cody then. Or if he goes to Toronto, go get Chad Kelly or McLeod Bethel. Like if he goes somewhere else, that means someone else is losing. Their, if he goes to Ottawa, bring Mazzoli back. Like. And then that's the other thing is, okay, Bo goes somewhere else. You don't like the guy that he's replacing. Go get Mazzoli. Go get Vernon. Like, there are more quarterbacks than there are starting jobs in the CFL right now. So it's not as if the tie – it's not as if there's eight guys and Bo's the eighth guy and where he decides, well, screw over the one franchise that doesn't get him. You know what I mean? So there's more than enough capable players out there that the Ticats will end up with someone. But I think the most likely scenario is they stick it with Dane Evans because what else are you going to do? It's not an ideal situation, but no. I mean, you signed a two-year deal. It, I think they owe, him a, they, owe him, they owe him some sort of roster bonus, but I'm not sure if it's if it clicks in until after free agency starts, but I could be wrong. But, I mean, they'll, they'll know by – if it's February 1st, they'll know long by February 1st whether or not they're going to get Bowen under contract anyway, so – uh, to me, that's the obvious way to go. From Kyle Senra, why was Micah Johnson named to the divisional all-star team? I know Dylan Wynn was not healthy for the entire season, but when they were on the field together, I thought Wynn was clearly the better lineman as compared to Johnson. Oh, I didn't see this one, but I got a simple answer to this. Uh, award voters are lazy, and I say that as an award voter. Um, I did my best to, throughout the year, before I even knew I was going to vote on awards, I did my best to, like, keep kind of a running tally. Like I didn't watch every single game, but I think I watched enough of every team that I was able to get a reasonable gauge on which guys had played really well. And I, and I just kept a, a spreadsheet filled with guys that I was like, Oh, these are guys that are going to get consideration for my all-star votes. 
if I if I get one because I was working on the assumption that there's the possibility I could get one. Most voters don't do that work. Most voters don't talk to guys at the team and who and who like players or or the coaching staff or people involved in the game to get answers like that. Most voters just vote for people whose names they know. Yeah. And 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 I'm not saying that's why Stanley Bryant has won four of the last five most outstanding offensive lineman awards because he is excellent. But it certainly doesn't hurt that he's a big name left tackle and he's going up against usually little known interior offensive linemen. Like he went up against Revenberg this year, who's got one of the more higher profiles amongst offensive linemen, but didn't stand a chance because people use team success as a reason. And Micah Johnson, I, I thought he was, you said earlier, he was okay. He had, he had spouts where he looked fantastic and he definitely got better as the season went on. I'm not entirely sure I would have, I don't think I did vote for him. I, actually, I'm, I can say with certainty, I did not vote for him as, as uh, d- the interior, de- one of the interior defensive linemen on my all-star ballot. So, but most voters just see, oh, Micah Johnson, I know him. He's been in the league 10 years. Click. Same with the offensive lineman. Click. Like, look, the, the all-star team to look at is the players one. And even that's not perfect because Dalton Schoen didn't get selected for the CFLPA all-star team, which is like, how does the guy who leads the league in touchdowns and receiving yards as a rookie, not an all-star, doesn't make any sense to me. But if you look at both of those, you can probably piece together a pretty decent one. But the, the 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 line play because it's something we don't look at very much to me that's that's what Micah got it because he's a known commodity versus other guys on the list uh, from Phil Van Imp after 20 years caretaker Bob has zero Grey Cups and yet down the street the Argos have four in that same time frame why is Mitchell and the coaching staff still around well I well, that's two different questions. Well, the coaching staff isn't still the coaching staff from 20 years ago isn't around. <laughs> like, how, oh, man. how many head coaches? <laughs> so Bob Young Black team, what was it? For autumn of, of 2003, right? When they went into bankruptcy. So mm-hmm. Lancaster was the coach. Then they went to Greg Marshall. Then didn't Lancaster come back as interim coach? So after they fired Greg Marshall during the season, I think he might have. So. Then it was who was it after him? Oh, Charlie Taft. Charlie Taft, that was a bust. <laughs> yeah, he was here two two and a half years, year and a half. Then it was Belfay. So we got we got Lancaster, Marshall, Taft, Belfay, George Cortez, Ken Austin, June Jones. This team's had eight different head coaches since Bob Young bought the team. So I, blaming the coaching staff to me, like there's not a. There, there's not a player on this team. There's not a coach on this team. There might not be anyone working for the team outside of a handful of guys really high up there that are still with the right. team that were with the team in 2003, 2004. And the and Scott Mitchell, called, like he's not in charge of. He runs winning, the business you know? side. The business side's exactly. doing fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. So, and you can't listen. I was a little hard on, on Bob a little bit, a couple episodes, but he, it's not like he's not trying. He has done everything in his power to try to build a winning organization, try to hire the right guys. And I, I, I don't think he, you know, he's hired the right guys. I just think that we just haven't pulled it off. I think that he's been a great owner. I think that he's really trying. It's not like a Maple Leaf situation back in the day where you thought like, oh, they don't really care about winning because yep. they're raking in the cash constantly. I think Bob Young wants to win a great cup just as badly as any Ticat fan, probably more. And it just hasn't worked. Well, it's his money. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. I don't think he's hands as hands on anymore. Like I know he came and said, I won't be hands on. That's 
I have it on pretty good authority. He was leading, kind of leading the way with when they signed Casey Printers. He really wanted Casey Printers. Um, but I think he's kind of learned his lesson. I think when they brought in Bob Obilovich as the general manager, which I think was either 08 or 09, I don't remember the year. I think that's when Bob Young started less and less of of a hands-on role as an owner and let the football people do football things. Coincidentally, that's also late 2008, early 2009. That's when the team started turning around, becoming a not a championship team, but a contending team. That that 09 season was when everything sort of turned around for this franchise. That like he's he's he hires people who he thinks can do the job. It, he's he it's not like he's like you said it's not a Maple Leaf situation with Harold Bauer where it's like I don't care if we win we make money anyway. Yeah, I'm sure the Ticats make money, but I'm sure they make a lot more money if they were able to sell Great Cup Championship merchandise. So I again the Scott Mitchell criticism I understand why people don't like Scott, but he has he's not in charge of the football operations. He is on the biz, he's running he mostly runs the business side of of Bob Young's operations of now the Hamilton sports group, which is they own the soccer team. that just won a championship. Like they sold, here's how good the Ticats are doing after how many years they finally sold a piece of the team to Stelco. So the franchise can't be doing too poorly. If they're able to sell to, I think we said this when Stelco bought into the team, Stelco could have done this at any, Stelco could have bought the team if they wanted to at any point in the past 50 years. And now's the time when they chose, choose to get in. So Mitchell's there because he, he took the slings and arrows for Bob Young when they were the stadium debate, and he he runs the business side of the operation that does incredibly well by Canadian sporting standards. So if you think Scott Mitchell's going anywhere, I think you're out of your mind. Yeah, I agree. And and Scott, a... Scott's in that, I, I ran into Scott Mitchell a few times. I just ran into him. I was in Ottawa for the Ticats Red Blacks game and the Forge game. Ran into him both days. He's he's not he's a nice like I know he's got this reputation, but he's always been kind to me. I know you had a great interaction with him, sent you a bunch of Ticat swag all those years ago. He's a he's he's not this evil person that, that he's made out to be. So I don't know. I just wish I wish people could see the the other side of Scott Mitchell. The like yes, I'm it's he's still he's still out in public, he's still putting on because that's what he's gotta do. But he can he comes up to me and says hello, not usually the other way around. That to me tells me he's a good dude. Yeah, I have no problem with him either. Like you said, uh, he was very nice to me. He rented a a cottage in PEI from my cousin, and they were to talk, and he's and he sent me some swag, which is really really nice. And we did not have to do that, and we all know how expensive CFL swag is. So <laughs> yeah, um, really appreciated that. Uh, I still have the card that he sent me. It was a nice message, and I met him at Great Cup and. Uh, forget if it was it i think it was the one in edmonton actually and we had a nice talk there too so i'm with you i have no uh ill will towards him i treat people and i think of people how they treat me or people that i know and outside of the nebulous like oh he's a jerk like no one's ever given me a specific example and he's never been that way with me and i've probably talked to him man over the years i probably lost count of how many times i've even just a quick hello how you doing you know, introduce him to a friend or whatever. Like he's, he's always been nice with me. So I'm not going to say a bad word about a guy who's, who's been kind to me. And I, and I think look where the Ticats were 20 years ago, financially, literally bankrupt. And look where they are now, arguably the second most profitable, well-run team. I think maybe without question, the most profitable private 
own team because obviously Saskatchewan does well. Edmonton still probably does decently well, maybe not anymore. And Winnipeg does well. But as, a, as it comes to private ownership, I, probably no one does better than the Ticats do. And that is a miraculous turnaround in the last 20 years. And Scott Mitchell is one of the reasons for it. So, I mean, there might not be a Tiger Cats if Scott Mitchell wasn't on board. So, yep, I totally agree. And that's that's all we have for questions. Oh, that's it. We're done. Oh, God. Oh, that was really fun. Oh, well. Well, I guess that's the end of the season then, Mike. Uh, any parting words, any parting thoughts before we put a wrap on 2022 and get ready for 2023? Uh, just a big thank you to all the people that tune in to listen to the regular podcast or tuned in to listen to our live reaction show that we started this year. And I thought that that was a, a pretty big success for us. Uh, we will continue to do that next season and maybe expand on it a little bit. So just a shout out to all the people that tune into Podski Wee Wee every week. Yeah, it's uh, that's why we do it, right? Like you and I could just do this and not record and talk about football all we wanted. But if there wasn't an audience there for us to serve, we wouldn't be doing this. So it's it gives me an opportunity to talk to my friend about football 35 times a year for a couple of hours. And I appreciate that. And I all appreciate everyone that listens just like you do. Wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever holiday you celebrate. Happy holidays to everyone out there, whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate. I'm looking forward to, I thought 2022 was fun. Uh, maybe not as a Ticat fan. The season was a little bit of a bummer, but sometimes that makes for the best content, right? So hopefully 2023 with the Grey Cup being in Hamilton, we get our Christmas wish and we're, we're all getting Ticats championship gear at the end of the year, right? I'm hoping so, and I think that this is going to be one of the more, I think I say this every season, but I think that this is lining up to be a really interesting offseason, not just for the Ticats, but the CFL as a whole. So we look forward to coming back and recording in the offseason as well. All right, so that was Podscoe for this week, for this season, for this year. I'm Josh Smith. I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.